Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Another Side Quest. Uh, I am Randall. And I'm James. Unfortunately, uh, Erin is out sick today. Uh, we w- hope that she gets better very soon. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna soldier on uh, just uh, just a duo today. Uh, but I, I I've got some stuff to to kind of bring up. Um, but uh, kind of to lead off, it's been a, a long couple of weeks since since we last talked, huh, James? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, time's flying by though. It, it feels like we recorded the last one yesterday. Yeah, old. exactly. Uh, I was lucky enough to uh, have my parents fly into town because I now live quite a ways away. But they flew into town. And we went and watched uh, uh, Supercross dirt bike racing at the AT and T Center here in uh, Arlington. Oh, that's cool. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. And you know, my my whole family is very much into it. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. even my mom rode when I was young. Yep. <laughs> And uh, so that's something that we all kind of have in common. You know, my wife knows a lot of the writers just from from watching it. So to have everyone, you know, together and sit down as a as a family and and uh, we got you know decently good seats and we got to watch all the action live and all the stadium stuff that goes around with it. You know, stadium food and and uh, you know just the whole the whole aspect of cramming everyone in our SUV to save on parking and then having to do that. You know, two and a half block walk from the remote parking to the to the uh stadium and then sitting in traffic for an hour and a half oh, on the course. way back yeah that's that's something i think we've all been through to some extent yeah is traffic really bad down there now or i mean just so the interesting thing about the dfw area is that they're definitely distinct cities with a smaller city arlington kind of in between them and uh, people over on the Fort Worth side, it's a lot less traffic than if you go over to Dallas. You'd think it's kind of one big metropolitan area, but they are they are very distinct in the way that they build roads and how many roads there are. And, you know, the population is way bigger in Dallas. So even though they are kind of a buck each other, uh, they're, they're very different, kind of like Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul is the same way where there's two towns and they, they basically are merged, but one is much smaller than the other. Um, so traffic will vary wildly, um, based on what part of the city yeah. you're in. So, and of course, when you leave the AT&T center, the, I believe it's the biggest, uh, football stadium in the country. Oh, for real? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. massive. The, uh, the jumbotron, the screen is the biggest in the world. It's absolutely massive. Truly it's a jumbotron. Yes, and it's so good too. Like I caught myself looking at the screen instead of looking <laughs> instead at the action in front of me. Oh, I mean, that's every which time defeats I go the to purpose. Any sports game. I'm yeah, but this like, was like better than my TV at home. Yeah, better. Like, this is oh, really man. good. Did did um, they stay with you at your house as well? Yeah, family? we uh, we're lucky enough to have a a, a bigger place down here, uh, and so we've got a, a a bedroom for like a guest bedroom with mm-hmm. its own attached bathroom. Oh, that's cool. So. They're able to come and relax, and you know, yeah. have their own their own bathroom. They don't have to worry about any of that. And so they they stayed right here, which was wonderful for the kids. Um, you know, having grandma and grandpa oh, yeah. in the morning and all throughout night. You know, so that was that was a lot of fun to have them have them come by. Uh, what have you done since your uh, since your fun vacation down south? Oh man, um, yeah. After so Disneyland was. Great, but you get home and start going back to work. Uh, 
and you just, you know, vacation seems so short in hindsight after you, you get back two days mm-hmm. back and I'm forgot, you know, I'm even, I've had the vacation, but it was nice. It was really restful and, uh, work's been busy. Um, been doing some side projects as well. Uh, so for work, I, I work at a small indie game studio and, um, I'm the sound designer and the composer and I've been doing some side stuff as well, uh, with that. So I do it at work and then come home and do some more of it. Uh, so that's been keeping me pretty busy. Uh, started to actually teach myself code a little bit. I wanted to get better on the code side of things in Unity. What, which one specifically? C++ or Python? Oh, or? Uh, I guess it's C Sharp. Uh, I'm not even sure. Uh, was it a C Sharp? It was either C Sharp or C++. Uh, I mean, I just started. Um, and all I did was I opened up a Unity project and started poking at the code. So I'm sadly... Uh, can't even tell you what I'm. Well, you got to start somewhere. I did. <laughs> I did the learn Python. There's like an app on iOS, and I tried that for a couple of weeks. And uh, I'm like, I get this, but I won't be able to get much past this. You know, uh, just the way that the that the logic works is just not in a way that my brain's gonna get at a higher level. And I'm like, well, this would have to be someone's career if they were like me. This is this is not something you just pick up. It helps me appreciate. You know, when people code an entire game or even a website, uh, getting pieces of that, doing the the WordPress document for the for the podcast network, and seeing what goes into it, and that's that's why I initially learned is I wanted to kind of learn how to do uh, you know the the WordPress stuff a little more manually. But that's some that's some tough stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it's in Unity at C Sharp. So I, that's what I apparently am in when I was opening stuff up. But oh my goodness, yeah, like a single typo, uh, one incorrectly capitalized letter, and you've got compiler thing. errors. Yeah, when you go to mm-hmm. load, and so I'm like hit and play. And again, I'm I'm really learning by just like copying code um, and just trying to see what problem occurs, and then having to fix it by doing a lot of Google. Uh, I didn't spend a lot of time; I had just a bit of my weekends messing around and starting to delve into it a little bit. Um, for work, I, I do use like middleware for audio programming. So I'm doing like a little bit of sequencing and some like trigger-based content. And I'm in Unity, but I'm not actually like opening up Visual Studio and typing code, code. I'm twisting knobs and doing some other stuff. Um, hmm. So I just wanted to start bettering myself on on the other side of the... Um, the screen almost the the scripting stuff. So and you'll you'll never get it if you don't start somewhere. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I can I can tell you that from recent experience. If you don't just you know put your head yeah, head dive down into and, it and give it a shot, you'll never. If you never start, you'll never get good. That's exactly right. And that's honestly, um, if you see a lot of like people who s- s- try to make their own indie game, um, a lot of them it's just. Dive in, start making some things bite-sized. You know, don't try and make your dream title. Um, and that's all I wanted to do is just make a character walk around an environment, start figuring out how the basics of player movement and gravity and some of that stuff works. Um, so it and in, immediately I've got problems. <laughs> it's you know not working, and immediately I've got to do some more googling to fix it. It's a lot of Google. I'd say that about a lot of professions. Actually, it's. You do a lot of Googling. 
Well, I mean, with the with the whole world's combined intellect shoved into these, you know, <laughs> pieces of glass and metal in front of us, it would be ridiculous to not utilize that tool yeah. to to learn things. I mean, I I do it all the time at work. I spend a lot of time researching even what I do, and that's a more of a blue collar job. But I'm I'm still learning. I you know I learn yeah. chemistry uh, on a daily basis uh, doing what I do. And having a, a deeper understanding helps you do the job. So I'm sure that's kind of why you're doing what you're doing. If you understand how the sausage is made, you can, you know, you can make a better one. Yeah. And that's uh, sausage being made. That's <laughs> opened up the like visual studio. I'm looking at it and I'm starting to type stuff and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is, I don't want to know how the sausage is made. <laughs> I'm like, ah, but I need to, I need to get into it. And it's fun. I mean, the final product is, can be fun once you get past all the actual complicated uh, programming that occurs. And I'm not, I'm not expecting myself to become some proficient programmer, but it's been fun kind of diving in. Uh, I feel very much for our programming team, all the bugs and stuff <laughs> they have to fix. A lot of, I'm realizing like a huge bug can be a single period put in the wrong spot um, somewhere in the thousands of lines of, of code. And you got to go find that stuff if it's not um, highlighted or in like Visual I, Studio. I now know it, why backslash and forward slash are not right next to each other on the keyboard. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that but would some be of these awful. are. Even then though, I'm, I it was, I can see the nightmare and the, the spaghetti that code can turn into with how it is laid out. So that was, that was fun. It's the beginning of, you know, the eye opening. I already knew and understood a little bit of just the craziness that it can be, but actually getting in and trying to type some stuff out uh, just became a whole different ball game. So a little more respect, you know, every day <laughs> for the games that I'm playing and what they're able to accomplish in them. Yeah, for how complicated the front end of like Horizon Zero Dawn is, I can't imagine what the back end looks like. Yeah, I don't, I don't even just want to mess. imagine. Yeah, yeah, it's um, magic. So since we're talking about uh, kind of, you know, one-man programming and, and uh, AI machine learning and stuff, uh, I think we can go ahead and segue into the news because we got something apropos uh, to yeah. that. So I'm, I mentioned it a little bit in the pre-roll, but uh, this is kind of old hats, a few months old, but it's the first I had heard of uh, AI Dungeon 2. And I haven't um, heard of it. Yeah, tell me about it. So... This is a, it's a, uh, it's a game that you can, you can, you know, just play on, on your computer, but it's, it's like a choose your own adventure, uh, sort of a text adventure. Like, um, so, you know, you, you, it'll give you a prompt and you type in what you do Oh yeah, and Old it'll kind of give it an answer. Yeah. Text, text based parser. adventures yeah. where you're like, you're in a cave and you're like, look left. And then it tells you like, what is to your left in text form? Mm -hmm. That sort of thing. Yes, exactly. But this is this is one that a guy uh, developed. Uh, I'll give him credit. Nick Walton. Um, he built an AI for this specifically. Uh, so you do a little bit of in-browser setup, and and you go in, and uh, there's a number of settings you can choose. But then you can kind of do whatever you want. And some of the stories of where people end up is hilarious um because as with anything ai machine learning everyone who plays plays mm -hmm. seriously for about five minutes and then starts 
putting ridiculous things in the chat parser yep. just to see what it says. See what happens. Try and break it. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's where the fun comes from is because then for me, that makes it feel very much like a real tabletop game, like a Dungeons and Dragons or a Pathfinder, mm -hmm. where at a certain point, you know, every you know, orc barbarians going to try to lift a house. Like, can I get the corner of it up? Like, and so, you know, why wouldn't you try and do that in the game? You know, yeah. he's like, I lift a house and see what the computer says. Because much like a, a human being, you know, they can kind of come up with whatever based on their previous experiences. Uh, so this is something I, I unfortunately uh, haven't got a chance to try, but uh, definitely have it up ready to go uh, over the next couple of days and uh, see how it goes. Um, so that's that's something fun. Uh, yeah, you'll have to tell I, us about I that think, once you've played it some. I might have to try this. Yeah, It seems like a kind of a small time commitment also, so it, it's probably worth uh, pulling it up. And again, it's AI Dungeon 2. Um, so definitely, uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check that out and I'll report back Cool, because uh, I, I love the idea of someone building an AI for a choose your own adventure. Cause you know, yeah. those were always fun, but yeah. in the books you would be limited to, you know, turn to page 86, a Yeti kills you, you know? And so you'd have to go back and try another one, but yeah, eventually fine, you're right? going to run out. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. Just driving. I think of when I would run like a D and D session or something. And that's always what people want to do is just see how much they can drive me crazy and how far they bend can push the, like a situation. And see if it breaks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And see if I can handle it and like not make the entire game break, uh, under whatever well, situation. I remember they get you homebrewed a, um, a star Wars, uh, game. You homebrewed a lot of content, um, for Edge of the Empire, for yeah. um, for me and and a bunch of other our other mutual friends at the time, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And the, I think it went pretty well until the homebrew content, and we started <laughs> we started giving you a real hard time. Well, it says here, it's like okay, well, oh, we're just yeah. gonna have to change that yeah. on the fly. That's um, I'm more of a storyteller than a uh, a rules keeper, I think, which makes it. Can't so that's the style of game is far more story based cinematic, but when I make homebrewed content that has actual stats or numbers, and I'm mm -hmm. not balancing them well enough, and I'm not well, thinking it's so ahead, hard to do the first time. Yeah, and that's also like when we're playing with a friend of ours named Andrew, um, who's very <laughs> mathy and wants to absolutely min max his stuff. Power gamer. He's a power gamer, um, and that's where I messed up. I definitely statted like extra equipment and threw gear that wasn't in the book at you guys trying to make up content. And yep, that, that you guys got way, <laughs> way out of hand. It's the power spike was ridiculous. Yeah. That was, also, I'll tell you what though. It was, it was a lot of fun when you, when you threw there. the homebrew content out. I'm glad to hear. It. I think everyone yeah, had fun except for probably me and my, my posse of minions that I was throwing at you guys that just got obliterated. Yeah. We, we kind of struck everything down. It was very much a, a power fantasy um, yeah. game after, uh, I think we did like four sessions where we thought we might not win. And then, you know, was we only, I feel like it was probably closer to like eight. I felt like there was a couple months of like maybe be, two or three months of 
before we started tearing down before everything you guys we started could build. tearing things down yeah i ramped it up too I quickly think, i think we were like level five taking on a star destroyer or something i think that was probably oh um, yeah i did i because i wanted to get to some fun situations that were pretty ridiculous and then yeah money was a um well there weren't like levels in the same way so you guys didn't level up i mean it's just like a pool of xp technically it's a, it was like 200 xp 300 xp is where you guys got to and that's not 200 after four sessions um you're probably 200 somewhere i, probably I still have too much yeah i, I still, I've still have got your folder character. somewhere yeah your folder okay. is you at do. my parents house in like storage somewhere from back when we were playing in their dining room but yeah that Man. that's uh sounds fun so that's kind of that's kind of what this guy was dealing with having to build this machine learning thing is the the computer's trying to figure out all that stuff that you learned based on very yeah definitely um the next thing kind of on my list is uh we talked a little bit about well not a little bit we talked quite a bit about the upcoming console generation so i think we're gonna kind of keep putting in whatever updates we get every two weeks. And Xbox did drop a little bit of more information about the Series X, if you'd like to hear more about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, Phil Spencer, he's the head over at Xbox. He He's a he's a fun guy. He is really enthusiastic about, about games, which is really helpful. You know, him being involved in playing games uh, is is I think important for the for the industry. Mm-hmm. So he he blogged out that there's a handful of key areas that they're that they're kind of working on. Um, one of them is uh, variable rate shading and ray tracing, uh, which I know is kind of graphical speak. I don't know much about it uh, in the specifics. Uh, um, ray I tracing, I've got a little bit of knowledge on. I know that was a big, uh, big part of the Spider-Man game that that came out for the PS4. Uh, is that they were talking a lot about the ray tracing and like figuring out where light comes from to figure out where shadows should be uh, and and stuff like that. Do you have any more kind of knowledge I mean, on yeah, that? Ray tracing is like the big new graphical push because it's like a one word that people can like understand. I think that's part of it instead of just the numbers are going up by a little bit on our graphics cards or, you know, like, oh yeah, they can compute more and it's just kind of more and more and more. But the actual tech running, like what they're computing hasn't shifted a whole lot. I mean, it's, it's kind of been all over the place as game companies are experimenting, but like the big new <coughs> way to try and do your lighting is with ray tracing where it's all being simulated. And so ray tracing like really to like layman term it is just a way to compute all of your lighting um, because before there were several different ways people usually kind of like cobbled together lighting in a game um, they would like way back they'd add like shadows under people but the shadow wouldn't be generated from the person it would just be like a black circle that they put on the ground and then turn the opacity down on it so it kind of like looks like a little shadow under your feet. Uh, they went from that to you know actually computing a shadow for a character, or they'd take the character model, make it flat, make it all black, just like the outline, and then put that on the ground behind the character. But then that has a bunch of problems too. 
Um, so typically it's like this mix. You have certain lighting for all of your static objects in a level and then different lighting used for all of your moving objects. And the static objects, you'd bake your lighting um, into the level. So it's like all stuck as it is. You can't move objects around. That's also like, so ray tracing, while it's about lighting, the fact that you can have some math generating lighting for everything suddenly frees you up to have a lot more like movable objects in your level. Because not only do you need the movable object, it costs your computer resources, not just for the object to like move around in space and be something that inter interacts with physics, it has to interact with light too. And that's a big yeah. cost. And so that's, there's a bunch of hidden costs to, I mean, everything in a video game. Uh, but that's, it's kind of a, bit of a game changer as far as the next new thing um, that graphics are able to do that actually does mean changes in game design especially and the way that we're working out our our lighting in games so i that's kind of a basic overview there's a lot of really good youtube videos that break down like ray tracing and what it actually is and, and what it means for the industry um but it's exciting. It's one of the first exciting things we've really had, honestly, for a while um, that's actually pushing the tech used to render this stuff out in a game world. Sounds like I should kind of give that a little more attention, do a deep dive and, and figure that out because it sounds actually very interesting, you know, from a from a, a techie standpoint. Uh, I'd kind of be interested a little bit more in, in how that works now. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. And it's, it's a fun... You know, find a good 20-minute, 30-minute YouTube video and eat some lunch at work, you know, while watching it or something. Um, that's what I tend to do. And it's been fun kind of reading up or watching up on on some of the ways that it's getting used in games now and the difference that it is starting to make if your hardware can run it. Because it's not just some numbers going up. It's currently ray tracing has to be embedded in the hardware and the hardware needs to be built for RTX um, so it's not something that you just kind of can get, uh, by bumping your numbers up on your card. You have to like buy a specific card for it. So it's cool that Microsoft is embracing that and trying to get ahead of the ball on a lot of this for the, the next gen. And I think we'll actually see some big jumps then in the next gen when we get it. Yeah. So jumps. maybe we'll actually see, cause I, I don't feel like the 360 to the Xbox One or the PS3 to PS4 was, uh, we may have mentioned this uh, previously, but I feel like the jumps up have been lesser as we've went. And I'd like to see yeah. this really make a change without having to go gimmicky like VR, which I like VR, but it is, you know, yeah. it's not just a well, wholesome yeah. improvement. VR was, and even VR the tech is just the numbers going up. It's just an increase of the pixels on the screen. And it has a gimmick attached, of course, of, of being in the space. But it's actually like the tech that's happening in the VR as far as what you see as a player. The game is still made the it, same the way. The game was still the same cobbled together set of like lighting tools and the way it rendered out its levels was still doing the same stuff. So RTX, it's not this huge game changer. It's not like some of the stuff we've had in the past that turned like dynamic physics on objects and stuff 
Um, okay, we, so it's, it's, it's I was like going to ask if this is as big as 2D to 3D or uh, like Havoc engine stuff. Yeah, it's not like that. You Red know, Faction like the where everything is destroyable. Yeah, all of a sudden you've got all of these interactive objects that you can move around in your environment and destroy other stuff. It's not, I, can, I don't think it's going to be that. And it's already out, so it's not that. We haven't seen this like crisis game come out recently that mm -hmm. suddenly is burning everyone's graphics cards and you know cooking their computers so it won't be that big um but it is more significant than yeah than our last console jump they there was no massive piece of technology that changed between the two uh so we just got numbers going up and that the way that game design de development cycles work we kind of got pretty good looking games at the end of this the generation and not super great games at the beginning of the next generation and that always happens because the dev studios don't have experience on the new consoles and they don't know how to push it yet. Mm -hmm. um, so the hope is you get some really good starting titles, but I don't think it'll be well, a while into the actual cycle before we're going to see like some really cool stuff. Well, I'll opinion. tell you what, the numbers are still going up because... Oh, yeah, yeah all of the numbers. Yeah, like, <laughs> the, they've, you know, I'm not sure if it was officially announced before, but... They have said that there's 12 teraflops of GPU power on the uh, Series X, so that'll definitely fuel the the ray tracing and the variable rate shading, which uh, seems to be like it can kind of allows your GPU to uh, look at different effects on specific objects instead of just uh, doing you know shading everything in your view, just kind of shading more important things uh, that you're going to be messing with more. And so what you're looking at is going to be more detailed, much like a backdrop on a PS2 era game uh, was very much just a backdrop. And then everything that moved was, you know, closer and is a completely different kind of model system. This seems like they're able to decide that, hey, this is what you're going to, you're going to be looking at this gun and this box and these enemies will focus more on the shading of that than the windows over in the building to your left. And so they can just make things a little bit more crisp uh, with what GPU power you have. Yeah, that's I, I love that part of game development and the design, or at least that, you know, the, the technical team that has to design some of that to get it to look so good. We already do that to a fair extent with occlusion. And if you don't see it on the screen, don't show it like it, it does. It, it's like not even there in some games. It doesn't render anything yeah, outside of your field there. of view. Yeah, and so this is like taking it a step further and going, okay, it's in your field of view, but what like, what are you focused on? It. Yeah, and instead of showing yeah all of this detail all over the place, we can start focusing it even more. And you know, essentially, kind, we're kind taking like, away to get more. They're just pulling stuff out that you don't care about, so that the stuff you do care about looks really good. So that's awesome. That's really cool. Kind of like blurring the edges of a of a screen when you're in like when you're sprinting in, a, in an FPS or in a horror game when you're you know <laughs> oh, that when your character oh, stressed out. <laughs> yeah, oh, but it's yeah, that the, sort of yeah, an like idea where it's like blur. this is what you want to look at is right here. Focus. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. As far as focus goes. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So that's kind of the more nuts and bolts of the uh, of the blog, but um, to move kind of to what I'm excited about is. Um, Full backwards compatibility, first of all. Um, that's big. 
back. So yeah. Is it just one generation back or like? No, sir. All the way back. Full. So uh, Microsoft has been putting so much time and effort into uh, backwards compatibility over the last couple of years. Like you can play Ninja Gaiden Black from the original Xbox um, on your Xbox One. Phil Spencer says he is personally has a Series X at his home that he uses daily. So it's done. The hardware is done. He plays it every day. And one thing he does, and you can watch his gamer tag and see what he plays, he's been opening up and playing backwards compatible games. And if they crash, he goes to the dev team and goes, <laughs> hey, this game, yeah, right? This game isn't working. Yeah. Uh, so we need to make sure that's ready before launch. So they're really taking their time. They could launch the console right now by the sounds of it or at least very close to, but they're waiting for, you know, fall or holiday season because they're making it right. And I, I appreciate that. But the fact that Phil Spencer's going home on a, you know, a developer uh, Series X and testing out all of these backwards compatible games personally, that's that's a, a personal touch that that I really, like, uh, yeah. I really vibe with that quite a bit. Um, I mean, is it going to be everything? And, I'm curious to see... They can't Everything that's it... available currently okay. as backwards okay. compatible. So they've been building this huge library, uh, and they stopped just recently. But it's a hundreds and hundreds of games. Uh, you know, Xbox, yeah, uh, 360, and original. Yeah. But I can't put and like I play my a Xbox lot of those disc in the in the thing. They're not somehow pulling that. So it does have to be in their their library that they've been curating or trying to pull and bring back on think their... you can i think you can boot it from disc with help from online and that'd be insane uh, if you can actually, i'm gonna have to try that like if i could boot up I, I mean what i'd love to be able to do is stick a my halo 2 disc into that thing from way back when and have it yeah. actually load that'd be insane and i don't think they made that one backwards compatible because they came out with yeah, the master that, chief that, collection yeah that's um, but I'll I'll definitely try it with some other games because I'm a huge uh, retro game person. So I've got a lot of original Xbox discs uh, that I play on my OG Xbox. Um, but I'll I'll see uh, if any can cross reference with uh, ones that are available and see if they'll play. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I'll give that a shot. Uh, but I, I love that they're not abandoning that and that they're doubling down on it, saying yes, this will continue to be backwards compatible. And the other thing they're doing is forwards compatible. Okay. So what they're doing is if you... (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, They're calling it... um, uh, Excuse me. uh, They're calling it smart delivery. So I think it's a weird name, but basically if you go out and buy um, Halo Infinite uh, for the Xbox One when it comes out, uh, and, you know, you, you don't have uh, a Series X yet, but you have an, an Xbox One, you want to play Halo. We all did that. You know, you buy the pre- previous generation until you can afford the new system. Mm-hmm. What this will allow is, and this will be standard on all first-party games and available to third-party games. When you buy that game on Xbox One, you immediately have it available for the Series X, and they'll continue that with each successive generation. Uh, okay, so like you get a code in your game box that like you can attach I think to your it's account, all, or I think it's all built in in the same way that um, you know you go to your digital library and you select a game oh, and, and it okay. opens 
what you'll do is you'll get your new Xbox, you'll port your games over, and you'll click you'll click it. And just like oh. recently when they did the Xbox Enhanced for 4K, um, they started offering you'll you know you'll go to it and go hey you can get this for Enhanced. Do you want to do that? Yeah, and it'll let you automatically upgrade, so you're not playing Halo One Infinite for the Xbox One on your Series X, like trying to upconvert. Yeah. They will, it's basically a free exchange for the new systems yeah. versions. And since it's not physical cool. disc, they don't lose any money. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pro-consumer move. That way, I, I mean, they, I guess they're losing out a little bit on the people that buy the new console and then rebuy the game. I mean, I've done that for a game or two, or even just... Yeah, but, that, but that's, it's, that's cool. you're trading it for the goodwill yeah. Yeah, no, of, it's hey, totally, I already bought this. Yeah, it's also, if you, it's good for people who have a, a library right now and are thinking mm-hmm. of like do i stop buying games until this thing comes out or you know what do i do that's and that's that the thing is if, spending still yeah in a different way if i can't get a series x right away and halo infinite is out and i want to play it it's not well i better just wait yeah. until i get a series x or otherwise i'm gonna have to buy it again and this gives you the opportunity to play it and then when you upgrade you're not stuck with the like I have Black Flag, Assassin's Creed Black Flag on the 360, like in disc. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going to go out and buy it for uh, Xbox One now because I want to go back and play it. My wife wants to play it and I'm not going to go back and play the the low res version. No, you know, I want the, do I the, want the best version of it. So the fact that it'll be standard for all uh, first party games and available a third, like, uh, like for instance... Um, uh, like Halo Infinite already has it, but um, twenty seventy seven is going to have it available at launch. That like, hey, if you buy it for this console, you know, you you can play when the new system comes out. You can upgrade immediately. That's cool. So you buy Cyberpunk now and play it, and you don't have to worry about oh, but when the new one comes out. Yeah, I, I so that sounds. Good for the consumer, which is cool. I I think Microsoft has been doing a lot of cool choices as far as some of their services on how reasonable they are price-wise and and some of the stuff that you're getting from them. I think that kind of harkens back to our discussion from two weeks ago of going for different markets. Yeah, Uh, Sony is very much like, we're going to have the best exclusive games. And from what I read uh, earlier this week is there's going to be Basically, no exclusive games uh, from for the Series X, because even Halo Infinite is going to be available uh, on um, PC. On PC, I do yeah, believe, that's... and it will be, and it's going to be on Game Pass yep. day one. Yeah, they. I, that's where. Yeah, Microsoft has clearly made a choice they're trying to be your that. friend yeah 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 yeah. and that's you can play it wherever you want or you get game pass and you can play a lot of stuff for a lot cheaper depending um on how you subscribe to that or how long but you don't have the exclusives that are selling your console in the same way anymore. and that that's the thing is i think that they know that it's really hard for them to beat sony at that game right now because yeah. like like you said um the Last of Us 2 is going to sell consoles mm-hmm. all on its own because you're already invested in that. And there's so many other good games that you're going to want to play the sequels of that came out on the PS4 yeah. 
it's going to be really hard to compete when they didn't really do that this generation. Halo 4 and Halo 5 don't make me excited for Infinite. Halo 3 makes me excited for Infinite. <laughs> They're yeah. still coasting on that goodwill for me. Yeah. Um, so without belaboring it, there's there's one more one more thing uh, that is small but matters to me. When I got the Xbox One, um, one of my favorite things that it did was you could be playing a game and you could turn off the console, turn it back on, and the game was still there. You know, suspended games. The fact that you could you could go back into your menu and you could go and open up some other stuff and then go back and you wouldn't lose your place yeah. in your game. Whereas, and, you know, we all did the thing where you turn on your, your PlayStation and then you had to plug in another controller, so you had to turn the thing off and then back on. And, you know, oh, those were the days. It, yeah, you did like the a days. multi-tap and you had to plug in on the OG PlayStation. It's like the four-way splitter so that you could plug everybody mm-hmm. in. Or is that on the Yeah, you could put one in each PS2. port and you could play eight eight players. Um Yeah. But so this is going to have the op- option for immediate start on um on most all games including uh backwards compatible. So it doesn't have to sit and load and then go through all the menus. It's going to it's going to kind of go up and you can have multiple suspended games. So you can kind of bounce between, you know, oh, this RTS and then I'm going to go over to, you know, Outer Wilds and then I'm going to go over to to something else. So you can get bored of something and not have to worry about the boot up because I have a couple of games that it takes me nearly 10 minutes for the game to boot and go through my settings yeah. and, you know, get it going. And if I get bored of this racing game, but I want to play something else for a bit that I'm going to want to go back to it. I won't open it the second time because it just takes too long and I already did it. So having multiple suspended games is going to be good for someone like me that likes variety every 20 minutes. Yeah. I uh, I mean, it seems like a small kind of insignificant feature at first, but like even thinking through, so I typically on my PS4, I put it into rest mode instead of like turn it off off. So it does suspend whatever game. So I'm, I'm used to having like, the one game I'm currently playing being, you know, in its just menu, not menu screen, but like in its pause screen. Uh, God yeah, but imagine example. when you have two kids that want to play games yeah. and you're in the middle of something and you're like, oh man, so you got to shut it. You got to still close that one down to start another game. Yeah. Whereas if you had multiple, it'd be like, well, every account in theory could have a game going and, you know, just swap between them like, oh, I'm playing, uh, you know, I'm playing Outer Wilds or, or something and, you know, the, the kids want to come down and they've been good and, I, you know, they want their video game time. Like, that's fair. And I can pop over and let them play for a while and then when they're done, I can go right back to it and I don't have to go through, I mean, first world problems for sure. But that's, uh, but it's know. like, it's legit. I have not played Nier Automata in a little while. Because I have my Overwatch disc in, so that's a problem. On the PlayStation, I, can, I only get one game that's like in suspended state, which Overwatch you really can't anyway. You have to resign in. But I haven't played Nier Automata because it's got a very long. It, it takes me a while to get into the game to like load in and actually like get going. And yeah, and if you could just yeah. swap back over to the other one, and you're right back where you stopped, and you hit unpause and just <laughs> the laziest go for problem it. to have, but it actually quite literally has in the last two weeks. I think on like at least on one occasion, a lot of times I'm like, I'm, I don't feel like playing that this week. But there was like at least one occasion where 
I didn't start it up because I just didn't want to go through the hassle of like even just turning the console on, getting into the game. Like it all adds up to a 10-minute block. Yeah, and I'm like, I only have 30 minutes. I, I, I don't want to spend 10 of it getting this going. I'll just watch a YouTube That's video. That's exactly on my it. Phone. Yeah. I play a lot of like speedrunners or, you know, a tiny fast indie game, you know, that I can just get into and I can be playing within seconds yeah. versus, yeah, uh, you know, other games that like for me, Outer Worlds, uh, has a long loading time for me. Yeah, it's like Fallout. <laughs> Sorry, it could you know, be a that Bethesda it's just a game. Yeah, it's got very long, yeah, it, boring. Well, not boring, but I, I mean, it's pretty boring. It's just like, like a flat image, and you just look at it for a while until it loads in. Yeah, and I don't have a One X. I have the original Xbox One. Mm. So, you know, everything's, you know, it's not an S. It's not an X. It's the original. It's the OG. So it's the slowest of them. You know, it thing is a workhorse, so I don't need to see the need to to redo it, but some games do take longer to load um, between, you know, just how much there is, or some games I buy aren't, we'll say, as polished on the back end, and that requires extra load time just because it's not, Optimized. you know, it's not a huge development team. Yep. Yeah, optimization. Um, so a lot of content a from deal. a smaller team. Yeah. yeah. So that's something that is small but matters to me personally, yeah. and that's, it's sad, but that's something that I'm like, ooh, if PlayStation doesn't have that, that might actually be... It might be Because they're so yeah. close. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I brought for for news um, were, were those things. And mm-hmm. it's, it's enough to get me excited about, you know, stuff to come and games to play now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We'll see. We'll see what kind of makes the decision for me. I mean, we'll... Aaron and I will probably end up with both, maybe, but we'll see down the road what what happens. I uh, I had one other piece of news. It was about the PlayStation. So let's shift over to PlayStation real quick. Um, Perfect. So I bought for my controller the back button attachment for the PlayStation 4's uh control you can get a little thing that you plug into the where the headset mic is supposed to go in the controller and then it wraps around and has two little back paddles that add to the controller and there's been rumors for a while floating around about sony trying to change their controller and recent news is that it looks like they might have a patent for a heart rate monitor and some sort of like sweat monitor or like some monitors that are in the grips of the handles that are like so that's, monitoring. Yeah. That's happened before in the PC realm. There were games that that would adjust based on your heart rate. Um, I'd have to look back and find it, but yeah, that's just some weird, you know, games that's experimenting. Happened. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen with the grips, and I'm not sure what my actual opinions are yet on whether I'd want that in a game or not. I think I'd have to see how a, a company implements it. For the most part, I don't really want that out of my game to be like changing based on how my heart rate is going um i'd rather have some control over it if that makes sense but mm-hmm. the other thing that looks like it might happen on the controller for the next um console is the back buttons and adding more uh, paddles to kind of get closer to like the xbox's um the, the pro elite, elite controller, controller. And then a couple of the like scuff controllers that you can buy with a bunch of the extra paddles. I have loved the the paddle. At first, I hated it. It, it was kind of hard to get used to because it sits in a spot where I'm usually gripping the controller. 
But having not two new buttons, but just two buttons that I can map to any of my other buttons. It's not like there's some new, new buttons I can press. Uh, I have them typically mapped to some of the face buttons. So for me, that's a lot of times X and triangle. That's what I've been using. So I can jump without having to leave the aim uh, stick. And so I can keep moving and aiming and I can like jump around. So I'm, I can be one of those annoying people like hopping all the time, but still able to aim for online games. And I've been surprised at just how, once you get used to it, how helpful it is and how integral it is to my controller now. Like I don't, I don't want a controller without those back buttons. And so I'm excited oh, I've, for... I've always wondered that. Yeah, I, I hope... Because I've seen them out there. ...that the rumors of the patents that are kind of floating around are true and that Sony does add some additional buttons to the back of the, the controller. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for hopefully more of that. And, uh, the buttons feel all right currently. It's like a $30 attachment to plug into your controller, which is nice. 30 bucks might seem steep, but compared to like buying one of those pro controllers they're like 200 bucks those are expensive or the, i mean the yeah. xbox one is like the most reasonably priced at what like 150 but all the scuff ones it's are, like 130 150 yeah, yeah they're really expensive so for 30 bucks to like enter <laughs> that market um and experiment with it i thought it was an awesome price point and it just plugs right into the controller i already owned um so i'm, I'm excited to see a, a higher quality version though if they can and put it into their next generation controllers yeah, I did find um, some information on the heart rate monitor uh, video games that were around. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a story from from uh, MIT in 2015 about it. It's not it. that long ago, <clears throat> actually. It's only four. So there's years. there was a game called Nevermind as an oh. indie horror game uh, that you would strap on a heart rate monitor. <laughs> of course, it's and, a horror game. Uh, try to not freak out. They would show you like creepier and creepier it's, it's a horror yeah. game yeah um, so you're trying to get scenes. scared yeah well you're trying not to yeah. be scared and they're trying really hard to scare you that's uh that's fun <laughs> yeah and they can kind of see where you're going and and the idea was uh this was an mit experiment to see if they could figure out why people get scared because you know you can it would hook up oh, to you with a heart yeah. rate monitor and, and an uh eeg uh to you know see what your brain's doing and then they would try and scare you and see how different things affected you, whether you were already stressed. So using heart rate monitor for certain games like fear or last of us, I think could, could make it interesting, especially if you let, let's say you're like me and you're a bit of a wuss, you put on the heart rate monitor. I, I already own two heart rate monitors for exercise stuff here. And, you know, so you hook up your Garmin to your, to your PS4. Why not? You play Last of Us 2, but you've made the terrible decision to play it at 11.30 at night with all the lights off and nobody home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it I reads you and it here and sees that you're, you know, you start going around, you hear some clickers and you start freaking out, but you've got difficulty set to easy. <clears throat> and it's reading what's going on. Maybe it very subtly adjusts the gamma a little bit and lightens things up a little bit so you can see a little bit easier to see if that brings your heart rate down. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it can kind of yeah. tailor difficulty instead of just being, whether they're bullet sponges and whether you are, and kind of go, okay, this is scarier than they want it to be because they still want to get the experience of the game, but this is going to be too much for them. It's something that can kind of in real time uh, adjust how, you know, how intense to be with certain things, you know, 
and you know maybe if you're freaking out and you've got a headset on it'll know that and it'll start playing in mono instead of in stereo so you don't hear it clicking behind you to the left it's just kind of everywhere because that's one thing that gets me man is when i hear stuff over in a corner with stereo oh, headphones yeah. on yeah and that's really good for ambiance but if if you want a little less ambiance and not freak out so much that's that's kind of something they could do. I I worry about that. And that's, I love, I actually, I really enjoy like games cheating the difficulty a little bit where like they're, they're you oh, know, like, they like Doom you where and, your last, your last hit, your last health, your last like 10% would go way slower. And there's other games where yeah, like the first I, I want bullet the drama. will always miss. Yeah, but I, I'm fine yeah. with there being some, a little bit of the wizard behind a curtain kind of doing some some trickery i would love to have that in a menu though i I love games where i can like adjust the difficulty on the fly so if i really Mm -hmm. am just like hitting a boss that i'm like getting frustrated with i'm here to have you know relax and i want to be able to adjust it i don't really like the idea of playing like let's say i'm playing against some boss somewhere and because my heart rate is super low it like ramps it up a little bit to try and get Mm -hmm. me into a more stressed spot or even vice versa. Like if I'm trying to have a challenge and sweating and shaking and my heart rate going up is part of how I like overcome it. But the game thinks that that's me getting too scared or too kind of flustered about it. Then it, it starts to, I, I worry that it cheapens it a little bit or suddenly I know. What if you're able to, that they're what they're doing. What if you're able to use your gamer profile and put in like, my want my max heart rate when I'm playing games <laughs> to be 150. Like I'm here to to chill and relax. This is too much. If you could put it either in your in yeah, your or tag or if yeah. they did have have a menu. Oh yeah, I wouldn't want it to be standard. That's, yeah, as um, long if I, and that's the thing. If if I can turn it off, then it's a setting I get to mess with, and I'm I'm a happy camper. Yeah, I, there's maybe a game or two that I'd I'd want. I could see some use for it where I'm like, okay, game. Like I really, this is my like go-to relaxation game. I just want to like get if some escapism. Want... So keep my heart rate real low or make the game super easy. The one place where they do need adaptive difficulty would be um, if you have some type of mic plugged into your um, console when you're playing Overcooked and if it hears too much uh, <laughs> yelling, it'll just like pause automatically. Yeah, that would be hilarious yeah yeah yeah. that might save a <laughs> that would few happen every time yeah. <laughs> or marriages uh, not to give them a hard time i love that i've loved that, love that game yeah. um but yeah i think that's i think it's something i want to see them to continue to develop again that was five years ago and it doesn't seem to be going anywhere uh it'd be pretty Until expensive now. yeah tech but yeah that's true if uh, ps5 is looking at that um i don't know i like the options uh but i feel much like you know, the Wiimote and um, the Connect and stuff. I just don't see it going anywhere. We'll see if AR and VR stick around, but so far peripherals haven't really stuck around. The only peripheral that I, I see that stuck around at all is headsets, and still that's more for listening than for, for talking. Um, at the end of the day, we're still have a you know a, a disconnected controller in our hands looking at a screen you know playing on a console much like we did with the Atari 2600 we haven't fundamentally 
changed anything despite Nintendo's efforts. Yeah, uh, some of the controller advancements that Nintendo's done have done a really good job of trying to do as much with a controller, but it is still like I'm holding something that does inputs. I think VR VR has a couple of major problems that it needs to figure out how to solve, which like you're very isolated. I mean, that's a huge one. The cost is, of course, a big problem. Um, but yeah, I, I'd agree with you. I mean, we've been stuck with this particular tech at its core concept. And we might maybe get be stuck with it until we're like plugging into the matrix and inputs are direct. I <laughs> I don't see like yeah, hand short waving. Of ready player you know, one. The connect was not a way to play a video game. Yeah. It's because you just need you need inputs. I just need a pile of inputs. And the best way to do them right now is with my fingers and a thing I can hold on to with my fingers to press those buttons. I, from the from the virtual yeah. boy to the power glove and then you know <laughs> they've been like, trying th- forever there were six there were successful peripherals i mean rock band and guitar hero hugely successful niche, for six years but yes and it's still like i mean just those were like really dolled up fancy controllers like right or like yeah they still controls. were controllers yeah so i yeah I'm, I'm with you i don't think i don't foresee it changing heavily i'm excited by some new doohickeys they're adding to the controller but i don't see us hey man i had that i had that keypad on the bottom of my 360 controller that the qwerty keyboard oh yeah you were one of the cool cool kids with that so you could like text big long messages to people flame them for teabagging you back in like the halo days or something ah yes i think the only time i I ever used it because i just use a headset i think i used it mostly for like inputting information like oh yeah when i was going to create someone an account so you don't have to go. And that was a pain. That, that might be worth it just for the few times I have to like type a password in on my console. For like 25 bucks, it sure was. I don't know if they still have that type of stuff, but. I will say towards controllers, um, I'm curious what Valve's new like hand controllers that are coming out with Alex or like they're around the same time they're coming out with the new. Um, I haven't looked up the news for this. And so I'm going off of some older memory of it. But they've got a controller that's like very haptic feedback. Your hand, it senses input on your, you hold like sticks and they're strapped to your hand. And then your fingers, whenever you move your finger, they've got sensors that are judging your distance on your fingers. So like Hmm. your in-game fingers actually move around to the, like they match up to your real world fingers really well. Where would that be helpful? So that's where I'm like, other than flipping someone suddenly, off, yeah. Well, they've suddenly, in that case, gotten rid of all the buttons you're pressing, and now in world, if you're holding a gun, you you just do the exact same motion with your fingers, or if you want to pick up some sort of tiny little like thing. The Alex com- uh, like trailer commercial had some cool uses of like sliding your hand around a bunch of stuff on like a shelf to try and like get you know pushing some boxes out of the way, but it was like a really fluid motion because i can swipe and that's i'm not like holding a controller and just kind of waving it i'm with my hand i need to do like a little swiping motion i can use two fingers to do it i can get back there and like pinch something um i'm just curious where that goes uh i that might be the biggest step we get for a while or, or this is like the biggest step where suddenly the controller is kind of gone and it's just registering your like fingers inputs because everyone wants to be Tony Stark doing gesture yeah, controls right. on I mean, the then that's it's still kind of, yeah, it's in that hand wavy 
situation. You still need stuff that like does player locomotion because we're not at the point where I can actually walk a mile um, in my yeah, apartment. That's that's the biggest problem with VR. Uh, not to make too much of a tangent, but <laughs> yeah. uh, like to speak on the on the controllers for VR, since that that is kind of what we're talking about. Um, I'd say, uh, like my my favorite thing about VR controllers uh, was when I played Doom. There was a there was a control that um, on the Vive, if you squeezed the body of the controller, it was a click. Mm-hmm. That was a specific uh, button, and when you would do that in Doom, it would create like a pulse that would push everything away from you which was perfect when I turned around and a demon was flying at me and I could just, without thinking, my muscles just constricted and I <laughs> you just hit the it. controller yeah. and boom, and it just pushed them back. That was, yeah. that moment, I think I said out loud, this is what I want from VR. I want it to be, you know, just not have to think about it. And then two seconds later, I'm trying to teleport around Using you know go over there and then press this button then it moves you over there and makes you sick yeah yeah so and I'm like thinking okay about so it. we're not there you're right so like there's ups and downs to the in the same instant it's like oh the moving is bad but knowing that oh we should put this weird thing in that doesn't really make game sense like all of a sudden I'm a I'm a, I'm a wizard able to yeah, push just make up a, a wind pulse but it felt good in the game yeah, and I'm like ah oh, this this is what they should chase is this feeling. I don't care what game or, or what this implementation of the technology of me turning my head to see a thing coming at me. And then my immediate reaction solves the problem and makes me feel like I know what I'm doing that, that I really liked. So figuring out how to use controllers to get more of that is going to be the key. Yeah. I'm excited. I have some, for me, spending it's, money it's the for same this stuff when... when it shows up, you know, to be purchased. So I'm sure I'll, I'll try and dive into a few of these toys when they come out. So I think that's that's it for news. But uh, if you don't mind, we can segue into a related topic. Yeah. Um, we uh, we decided to do a couple of couple of topics, uh, kind of back and forth uh, today. And you had one that that again dovetails nicely with what we were just talking yeah, about it's been on the mind <laughs> yeah I, I wanted to i want to ask you your opinion what is or what would you consider the best controller that you've ever used maybe your favorite controller it can be either you know, tackle it either purely from the heart or or from the brain on what you think is just technically the best but across every console generation that's happened so far what do you think is the best controller so that's that's what's tough. I can tell you, I never liked the N sixty four controller. Yeah, going to start there. So I like, yeah, it's, that one probably. It's not good. The only reason you can get away with that one is if you say it's from the heart and you just have a lot of nostalgia for it. But okay, that's good. <laughs> everything everything about the N sixty four is all nostalgia. The games aren't good. The controller isn't good. The system, like you got to do that thing where you like slide the power button real careful to try and get it to work. Like they don't hold up. They're they're not as tough as like the GameCube that came after that thing. I literally threw yeah, it off of uh, my back porch and couldn't kill it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as far as controllers go, um, 
you know, that was kind of my first experience in controllers was the N64. Start off strong. Can only go up from there. Yes, exactly. Um, And I had a GameCube, and I didn't mind the GameCube controller, but I also wouldn't say it was good. Huh. Um, A lot of people, I I remember, some people really liked the GameCube controller. I mean, go to any Smash. uh, I I think it's good for Smash. But yeah. I played more um, shooters and racers, uh, especially at that time. So although, you know, the C-Stick was great for power moves on uh, Smash Brothers, but when you'd go into, you know, Frontline, uh, like Call of Duty, it didn't work very well, especially because you were kind of stuck with a single axis. You didn't have dual axis because... If you had to use the C-Stick for dual access, it was not fun. It was not preferable. Um, so you'd think that would still lend itself to racing games, but just the way that the buttons were laid out, you know, you mash the A button and then, you know, B for break, but there's just, it didn't, like the triggers, the triggers were weird because you had to pull them in and they went a long way to click. It just didn't work for me. Um, so, I mean, you, you probably have a different preference on that, but all through the, the Wiimotes, I've never been huge on Nintendo's controllers. Yeah. I mean, I can say that the, the Wiimote nunchuck never, never clicked with me. I didn't own a Wii. Uh, and then of course the Wii U was basically the same thing. Uh, and I like my switch, but I wouldn't say that the joy cons oh, are no the best version of it and i don't have a pro controller so simply from my experience in nintendo they're kind of at the bottom of the barrel um i I just haven't enjoyed i enjoy the games and some of the games work really well all the first party stuff works pretty well i mean you can play um mario party just fine yeah some Um, of the gimmicks was good on the that yeah the was great controllers have been prop them up a notch but yeah yeah most of the nintendo controllers have been a miss i think in the at least for general video games across the board and as like uh real quick on like the gamecube controller i think it's big draw for smash is that the um that left stick has corners that you can push it into so it has like six directional because it's a hex piece of plastic you can actually yeah it's very it very specific you. directions yeah, so you could get really particular which is exactly what you want in like a fighting game where you need to be doing like up or diagonal up left or something like that and you need to hit these really specific um angles to to fire specific mm-hmm. moves but i think that's kind of my point is it's a great controller for a handful of games but you know playing cell damage uh, was not particularly wonderful. I don't know if another controller would have made it different, uh, but I know that I I just never really messed with them. Yeah. And I, again, I had five controllers, I think, for the, uh, for the GameCube, and I played a lot of GameCube, but when I would go to the Xbox or the PlayStation, I just felt I felt more at home with those. So yeah, what, what um, wins then? Xbox? Well, I say PlayStation has been like the same controller forever. So that one's harder to have a, a favorite iter- well you could have a favorite iteration. Is it PlayStation I can, I, or I which mean, version can, of Xbox? 
I can tell you that I started with a PS1 with the analog sticks. I never I never had oh, the did. one without the sticks. Oh, of course, bad. I have a couple now, but I never had to play it with them. It wasn't great. I always had analog. Um, and so, yeah, they're, they're all roughly the same. I know uh, that the newer ones have more triggers than buttons. Yeah, they, yeah they've uh, gone but to a, a trigger instead of a button. Thank goodness. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of PS2 where the shooters were X to fire or X to accelerate in a racing game, mm-hmm. and I wore out some X buttons, man. Just I, I'm surprised I don't have arthritis in my right thumb for just how hard I would push down on the X button for um, like Need for yeah. Speed or something. Uh, and when I got an Xbox, and they started saying, "Hey, this really easy falls to hand trigger." This is for for shooting because it's a trigger or for racing because it's just you can hold it down and it doesn't push back yeah. on you so much. Yeah. There's a lot more natural to do that. And you got gas yeah. and brake left it's and right. It's also not binary. They introduced the the ability to have, again, more inputs and they hid those inputs in those triggers by just having a variable from zero to a hundred or whatever. Um analog game, trigger yeah. versus a a, a digital button. Yeah. Um, I do believe that PlayStation does actually have a multi-stage uh, pressure function. That or all of my controllers have been a bit wonky. Um, <clears throat> but I, I know that I've, I've... Yeah, I don't think it's a 0 to 100. I've had that recently where stop. I got a hit. Yeah. Okay. I think. But yeah, it, it's not infinitely, not you know 100, 100 stages of, of adjustment. No. I'll say that the PS2 is what I spent the most time with, I'd say even to today. I probably have more hours logged on a PS2 controller than any other single controller. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did play it a lot, and it was good for a lot of different kinds of games. Um, and I think that's kind of the key. It was still good for racing. It was good for fighting. It was good for shooters. Um, no console's good for RTS, but I mean, it was it was good for just about everything. Uh, and I played a lot of variety of, of things. Um, you know, I would bounce between Need for Speed to Dynasty Warriors to Call of Duty um, on a regular regular basis on that. Um, and so it was good for all of those things. And when I got Halo, um, that was the first time that I had a trigger fire a weapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. for me, that was that was probably why I liked it the most. I'm like, A is jump, like Jack and Daxter. But the trigger is fire, as it should be, because there's a trigger. Um, Though those Xbox the fat, fatty controllers, man. The Duke. Don't tell me that. <laughs> that, that that's, no. Ooh, those, were, those were made for giants. Or maybe we Even were just the S is really big, because, I mean, I've, I've got a couple of Dukes that I'm repairing, and I will play with them. But uh, just holding them in my hand, I went, yeah, there's a reason that they went to the S as a, as a standard, because yeah. at least that's doable. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, it was it was then a revelation um, to to switch because the problem with the original Xbox controller was the white and black buttons. Yeah, it was the fact weird. that there weren't bumpers above the triggers yeah. uh, that made the PS2 way way more useful for a lot of things. Like it's just it, more it natural. Was, it was to a get huge to. loss to not have yeah, it. Yeah, I I would yeah. say like the biggest tr- shortcoming on controllers is that you still have. Your right thumb has to share either do I look 
or do I hit buttons? And yeah, the, like the first Xbox controller was even a bigger culprit because there were six of those buttons you had to pick. And every time you had to yeah, the other up, two buttons were off on the other side. They were yeah. they were your other hand when you're trying to move with it. Like, oh, were the I thought the black and the white were. Oh, were they on the the left side? So okay, it's just pulling your thumbs off of the sticks that, unfortunately, in most games you yeah no you're still need your completely right. So yeah, that was. I'm glad that they moved to again putting as many buttons off of your thumbs as possible. Is my vote? That's where I think. Okay, <laughs> it so needs to be. I. I was wrong. Um, so uh, on the S controller, uh, the buttons, the black and white buttons are below the uh, X, Y, A, B. Okay, they are on the um, right side. That's what my memory had. And on the Duke, it. they're actually above. That sounds worse. Like, uh, they better not be important <laughs> to get to because it's so hard. It was hard to get to those. And they blend it in, yeah. too. Like, if it's dark. I mean, who wasn't playing Halo at night in the dark, you know, with just a screen? And I'm like, I sometimes... You already have greasy fingers the from Cheetos, the Cheetos yeah, and the pizza yeah. and the Mountain Dew. So. And I'm trying to, yeah, trying to add, like get to the Mountain Dew. Probably spilled some on the controller, so it's all sticky. So I can't even tell where the button is anymore because it doesn't get pressed in. Yeah, maybe the I'm Mad Cats head controller had it on the left. I mean, that's a whole nother night is Mad Cats. Yeah, yeah but, those um, those are on a tier below even the like N64 controller in most regards. To me, I'm gonna. I think I'm going to put my chips in the next basket. I'm going to say that the Xbox 360 controller was the best single controller A lot of design. people, I think, would agree with you that the 360 controller was probably the the, the best we've seen. Because I have the Xbox One downstairs. I have the Xbox 360 upstairs in my room um, on the bigger TV over there. Um, yeah, my wife puts up with all these TVs, amazingly. <laughs> as long as um, but, she can use them occasionally, maybe. Yeah, and when I play like Forza Four uh, on the 360 with the, you know, the 360 controller, um, it just I don't have to think about it. Um, mm-hmm. The Xbox One controller is a little more um, substantial, and I think the ergonomics are maybe a little bit better for my like my shoulders. It's a little more, uh, you know, upright, but the smooth. Uh, yeah, no ergonomics uh, on the 360 triggers. One. It just it feels so good in the hand. Yeah, I don't know why, but everything's it's it's where it's where I choose to to make actions. I'll miss buttons on an Xbox One. I know it's ridiculous, but the triggers are kind of weird um, on the Xbox One for me. Yeah, They're I not, mean, I can't do the PS4 controller at oh, all. Yeah. It's It drives me uh, up the wall just about, and I played through I've, The Last of Us. I played with uh, Fallout 4, yeah. uh, and I did one and a half of the Uncharted games uh, when a mutual friend we traded consoles to do, uh, to do uh, exclusives, and I never got used to it. It also, I felt, had... Really bad battery life. Um, I don't know if that was just that one, but the PS4 that I borrowed, every eight hours or so, I had to plug it in. Uh, and I almost just played with it Yeah, the in. battery life on the controllers I don't think has ever been super great. But uh, the biggest culprit is I think they wear out a lot faster than other consoles. So if you put some significant use on your controller, it it should last like a play session. But yeah, you need to be docking it and like plugging it in after every play session or whatever you know and i'm not used to that i uh i use rechargeable amazon double a's 
in all of my controllers at this house. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, you're not even well, because good luck then with the PlayStation Four then because you have to recharge it. Yeah, exactly. So I'm used to being able to do uh, a quick change, uh, and that's happened. I can't tell you how many times there's been a panic moment of, "Oh, the controller died! Controller died!" And then what do you do with a with you know an integrated battery? You have to make sure the person's close yeah. enough that your cable's going to reach. And we've gotten so used to cordless. That's uh, where you need two controllers, <laughs> and you need them both docked in, and so that's what I do. It runs out on me when yeah. I'm playing. Yeah, I'll have uh, a lot because I, I have two old controllers, yeah. and you're right. It's I have to go put it in the dock and pull the other one off the dock, and then pair it up with my account. And these batteries will last upwards of 20 hours of playtime. I don't care what anyone says. That's what I get is upwards of 20 hours of playtime on a set of batteries. And then I just go over to the junk drawer, open it up, put some more in, uh, grab two more, plug the other two into the into the thing on the wall. <laughs> And I'm good to go. Um, so I, I really like yeah. that. Um, and I never minded where the battery box sits on the 360 controller, kind of down between your fingers. Never got in my way. So yeah. even though they integrated it better on the on the Xbox One, it's not something I ever yeah, it didn't, noticed. Yeah, it didn't really get in the way. Well. The only thing I like about the current Xbox One a little bit better is um, it's a really satisfying click from the bumpers. Uh, but it also makes it harder to play at night when you have a baby that barely sleeps. Mm. So there was a, a segment of time that uh, my wife would literally come out and go, your controller is making too much noise for two rooms <laughs> it's over. like a I'm noisy like, really? click. That is quite the problem yeah. to have. Button is too noisy. Yeah, so that was, you know, it's a nice engaging click, but I mean, I wish I could have had something like a piece of felt in there or something to soften it, quiet it down. But I do, I do like one thing quite a bit about my current Xbox One controller. Uh, my wife allowed me to go onto the design studio and custom design my mm, own controller. Yep. That's a really cool site. You can make your own uh, color I, I bought one for, for a friend of mine recently and let him design one and, and got it for him for kind of a birthday, Christmas, uh, thank you kind of present. And it's really neat when they come in because they look so much better in person than when you design them. That's really, yeah, I like. I thought when I got it, I'm like, well, it's not going to look that good. It's like, oh, it looks so much better with proper texture and it's all together. And so I've got this really pretty kind of red, white, and blue. Uh, it's mostly blue. It's got bits of like light blue cayenne uh, and red bumpers. It's, it's a gorgeous piece of kit. And I wish I could have done that with uh, my 360 controllers because, you know, and it's only... Twenty bucks more. If you're paying sixty dollars, you why not pay the, eighty and get one? The rubber, like you remember, I had like those rubber like coating things that I put on my controllers for the 360 that were like colored and mm -hmm. stuff. So I had I yeah, there were ways to do it. Man, those little rubber things were greasy. <laughs> so your yeah, Cheeto that's does the them. thing is, I'm like, oh, it's like a silicone kind of. Yeah. yeah, once there was grease on no, there, yeah, yeah, always yeah. was. That's not even doesn't compare to the the colorings that you can do on the. Yeah, and it's really cool. And they do offer rubberized grips, but I don't recommend them because it's the same ones that they use on the Elite controller. And the rubber actually peels, the glue peels off of the oh, that's controller. So I heard the Series 2 is better, but that was a big problem for a $130 yeah. con custom controller. Um, But yeah, that's kind of my overview of, of controllers. I, you know, I could go on about 
the the pre controllers like the vector has a really good controller uh but i never liked the atari paddle go sue me but um yeah there's that's a whole another thing in the in the retro game space some of those were really good and some of them were really yeah. bad i'm looking at you jaguar so and I, even the best i think isn't where the level of comfort and fit that the the new controllers have with our hands yeah yeah uh i'm yeah, sad i think that playstation figured it out with the four buttons and then the two analog yeah. sticks and then a four-way d-pad and then four uh quote-unquote trigger buttons i think yeah. that's that was the right way to go i'm sad that you uh haven't gotten to play with the nintendo's pro controller the switch's pro controller yeah, I have not. I actually... I never play docked, so it hasn't yeah, been a thing for me. I think that that's my favorite controller now because it's a lot like the 360 controller with a few changes, and it's heavy. and I So it kind of feels like you got the battery pack on the 360 controller again um, with the mm-hmm. weight. So at some point, if you're going to hold one and try and play it like a store or something, try it out because that one's... A sleeper. I didn't think it was going to be awesome, and it ended up being the the best controller I've ever played with. Yeah, I hear people talk sugar about it, but uh, to be quite honest, I assumed it was because the Joy Cons are so lackluster <laughs> so to play with. No, I, I I mean, just from me, that I I was really surprised um, at how good it was. Uh, another friend got one, and so I was able to play a little bit on it. It was like, oh, this is really nice, um, and it has all the control features that the switch joy cons have as far as um some of the other tools inside for registering the home button and this and the screen button, well, those, it, but also the, like the, the like accelerometer or the like a couple of the other things that can okay um register motion inside the thing so it plays yeah, the factory pro controller does the the nintendo branded one because there are some cheaper ones that that don't have all of that yeah, built and in you need like that elevates it because there's a couple even some shooters that use the um motion so you can actually like fine tune you can actually keep your aim at a pretty high speed because or you, you just sensitivity of the stick because you can so fine tune it with just motion as well um and it's weird at first it's hard to get used to but as soon as you do you're like oh this is i'm getting closer to like the mouse as far as my ability to use more of my body to do fine tuning on aiming and stuff so hmm. check it well, out sometime. Anything that I anything that can help me uh be less awful <laughs> yeah, at Killer Queen. I oh, am, it, well, I it won't help four. you with that. I sadly I think that's got like four <laughs> inputs up, down, left, right, and then like an A B. That's all you get on Killer Queen. Well, or six. It's just joust, is it all it much is. is so it's super yeah. fun though. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of my thoughts on, uh, I thought you were going to rake me across the coals. Oh, a little no, bit no, no, no. I'd, the, I'd agree. Uh, GameCube controller. No, uh, I think I'm in the same boat as you. GameCube controller, I th- it's a little more up there. I like the, the button layout. It's weird that we haven't gotten another controller like it as far as it's just face buttons, the uh, A, B, X, Y, and the way that those are laid out. I actually really like. I like that they're all textured differently. They're just something that, it helps. It all kind of helps. But I'd agree. No, they're certainly in different places. Yeah, it's not it, that stick. Just, I mean, the dual sticks is what we need out of our, our controllers now for first person shooters and uh, a couple other games that rely very heavily on movement on one 
and looking around on the other and it how just how about that z button though uh yeah that i think that's that's pretty bad just got these two weird triggers and then the z just on one side and that's you're right there's no other it's a bumper but they just didn't put a bumper on the other side yeah they were too tied to their other controllers i think and they're like oh we need z we don't need a you know any other button around we just just z and now they've they've went oh that was yeah, a mistake you have zl that. and zr yeah now. they copied the 360 controller pretty pretty heavily on their new controller uh yeah but, i mean it's i'm pretty close with you on that i'd maybe move it up a notch but for the most part a uh, 360 controller really is the best and it only my mind only got changed when i picked up the new nintendo pro controller so you so we were both if we had to choose one controller for every game for the rest of our lives we'd both pick the 360 because i know i would <laughs> i'd pick yeah. the pro controller now um then the new the okay Switch so that is pro top that is top of now yeah, yeah yeah but if you know what uh about a year ago would have been different or six months ago whenever i i picked that up um yeah, it's only recently changed for me compared to a lifetime of playing okay, with and PlayStation and Xbox controllers. And 360 as a runner-up, and I'd probably say 360. And boy, I'm I'm struggling to not say the Xbox One as as a you can do it. as a backup. You can do it. They changed enough. I think I think the PS2 is also pretty close because I don't I don't have a lot of love for the the triggers on the newer Sony's. That's fair. Uh, yeah. So at least I know how to use the triggers on the buttons on the PS2 controller. Yeah. Cool. One last one last kind of thought while we're here uh, is I mentioned that I play a lot of a lot of vintage video games and I really like uh, collecting them. I, I took my son to the retro video games uh, expo when I was up in Oregon, and that was that was wonderful. He loved the Factor. <laughs> um, yeah, you've been collecting. so I like. Pretty yeah, heavily. I like having all these old systems up, and I'll actually play uh, on them pretty pretty regularly. Um, and I noticed that you're kind of the the opposite of that, where you play mostly just the new stuff yeah. with uh, with you know a couple Open of new. rare exceptions. So what what is what is it about that is just something you haven't thought about, or is it ease of life things that the old games were kind of hard to play in some aspects, or is it graphical, or is it just the new the new hotness on the block needs to get played. Everything. It's big soup of all those issues or problems I have. Uh, the, the biggest one, I'm, I mean, it's cult of the new. I've got a backlog, but the backlog isn't a backlog of old games. The problem is, especially being in the field to some degree, I find it slightly productive to get through even chunks of games so that I can encounter their game systems, enjoy new advancements they're making and there are so many good new games coming out i do not have space to go back and like play a lot of old games unless i need to specifically because we're like referencing some mechanic from some old game or something like that so a big part of it is just i feel more productive playing newer games um since i guess i mean for that reason i feel more productive playing the new ones because they got new stuff in them and the only reason i'd play an old one is for reference graphics are a big part of it i have a hard time with like and it's not like 
age of graphics. It's like art direction. There's some old games that still look decent, and I can imagine being in that space. Um, one that I started to play, got through a chunk of it, is Xenoblade Chronicles, because um, a mutual friend of ours just like said it's amazing, and you know, reviews for it are really good. So I tried that one. Um, it's a really long game, though, so I had a hard time getting through a lot of it. But it still looks good. Uh, the graphics are, I mean, terrible now. They're very dated. But the art direction was done so well that I can still see the environment and be like, okay, yeah, I can like put myself into this space. A lot of old games actually don't do a great job of that, except for maybe some of the big headliners. So I have a hard time collecting or, or going back to a lot of childhood games because, frankly, I played some stuff that now looks very bad. And it's really hard to tell kind of what's going on sometimes on screen or what what's happening i just can't get invested in the same way um so you you need something more immersive is that kind of graphics wise that's like if it was poor art direction or they were you know a lot of games that like try to push the graphics are the ones that look like the worst now compared to nintendo games that can mm -hmm. hold up because they picked a much more forgiving art style and direction with how they handled their graphics so that's like Link to the Past still looks yeah, still really like, good today. Looks pretty good. That one not as I'd like even say like Mario sixty four looks pretty darn good. Um, the biggest thing for me actually is the game design though. I'd say at the end of the day, the thing that holds me back is old school game design. I so is it like when games uh, try and focus on like high score and you know they don't have good save points and they have save points you know bosses that it's like do these three things three times and then you beat the boss ocarina of time is what? a good example of this because i didn't play it as a kid Ooh, boy but i had a 2ds because i was dating aaron my wife at the time and i wanted to join in on pokemon so i wanted to play one with her so i got a 2ds and at the same time i was like oh this would be perfect i can play through a couple of these games are remaking in like hd on the 2ds and so I started to play through that and was like, oh my goodness. The things you have to do are convoluted. Some of the hints or the clues that they give you, like it feels like I am supposed to waste time. Like their game was this certain chunk of like 10 hours or, or 15 hours and they needed to try and hit like 30. So you have to walk back and forth across like a boring field multiple times if you don't really know what's going yeah. on. And it's like a puzzle where a lot of it's just talking to people and kind of starting to figure out what's happening and piecing together stuff. But to piece it together organically means I need to walk back and forth from places and go, oh, yeah, what was that like thing that they had told me to do? I need to go talk to them again. Or I need to go back and figure out, was like, was it this building with the person in it that I needed to? You almost need a notebook. Yeah, I mean, I ended up playing with a guide, like the old school guide to try and get through mm -hmm. a lot of it because the it just kind of convoluted puzzles with multiple steps that aren't very I wasn't feeling creative in I didn't have any agency in the world like as an adult playing this game now I again when it came out it's awesome and I can see why it's very immersive and gets you into its world pretty well but as a game I was I'm like struggling with some of the things that they're they're asking me to spend my time doing and the amount of time it takes to get something to progress and yeah so i'm one of those people that kind of needs i want my game spoon fed to me a little more um i don't play the dark soul series because it has a little more of that older design i think in some of the like play it slow 
enjoy it. It's a big, long meal. Not because it's, like, lengthy and story and what it's, like, telling you and all these cutscenes, but it's just something you need to chew on for a long period of time. And that, that design, which a lot of old games have, lack of save points or lengthy time wasters, stuff like that. I really hated the lack of save points in older games. It, it is just a lot of time you lose because something hits you does something to you that the game doesn't even properly prepare you for in a lot of old games it's they don't teach you very well what to do and so the the learning is done through doing it and when you couple that with either bad save points or just some of this stuff that wastes my time old games i can't if i've got a backlog an old game can take just as long as one of the new ones i'll spend 30 hours playing through ocarina of time i think i have like 25 hours 20 hours in it about 20 i think so far and i'm not done with it um but i'm like 20 hours could have like got me through a modern game as well and i'm like ah so i find myself whenever i do go back to an old game i play just a bit to be able to talk about it almost um understand the game mechanics and what they were doing and then if I really want to know what's happening, I'll watch like a YouTube video at the end or like a summary of the game or something. So I, I understand the story that was being told if I need it for like a new game coming out that's remastering it. Um, so it's a mixed bag. It's not any one of those all the way. It's it's all of these little parts tied together. At the same time, though, Heroes of Might Magic is an ancient game. Graphics aren't great, though the art direction was good enough to where I can like see what's going on on the screen plug in the hd mod now it actually looks halfway decent but that thing is old and it does look old but it's pretty much a board game as a computer game so it's a way for me to play like a long eight hour strategy game over the course of a week or whatever during lunches um and the core mechanics of it are great and so there's no i I don't get stuck in this boat of since it's so much not what most other games are doing it's just a strategy board game type game um, a lot of my problems with it disappear I, I don't it's not wasting my time it's turn based so stuff is just super fast so I'm constantly making choices and going through decisions uh, and I'm not like if I'm dying I'm, I'm like losing the game or whatever as a strategy game that's what you want in that so what about what about going a little bit farther back like would you be interested in sitting down to your pc and playing fallout 2 like the isometric one no i maybe like if i because it's super well regarded and people who like the new ones say that you know that was really good but you know it's a completely different type of game i mean that's a good example would you would you rather uh another one would be like uh the resident evil series re2 is is an amazing game but they just came out with a yeah. I'd play the you know, remake HD version of it. Uh, that's a, I mean that's a good question. Fallout Two, Diablo Two is another one I missed. I, I didn't play as a kid. I was I think a little too young, and so that was not going to be put on our family computer. Um, yeah, yeah. If work needed it, or if I really felt like it was relevant to something else coming out or going on. I think it would bump up the queue, so to speak, of the backlog. But that backlog is it's so vast. There are just dozens of games I need to get through. And one of the ones at the top of the backlog is The Witcher 3. I'd love to actually finish that game at some point. 
but right there, that's 120 hours I need to give it. I'm 30 hours in and so from like two years ago. You're going to pick that over like Final Fantasy VII, which is yeah, that's a, you know, we got regarded a, as, as a new version of that coming out. I'll probably play Final Fantasy VII, like the remake of it. Um, but yeah, that's that's a problem. I'd rather pick The Witcher, which is a little more modern and is still in this boat of one of those games you, you got to experience or play. Um, Have you played Half-Life 2? Uh, some of. Yeah, I know. That's another one. That one I will play. With Alex coming out and me wanting to get that, that's that's where the backlog shuffles around. And I I just need to put more time into I Move it up the list, pound the thing out so that I've experienced it. I played a little bit, but I played it when I was uh, in high school, I think, on the orange box. I played some mm-hmm. of Half-Life and Half-Life 2. Um, and I just didn't... I didn't understand it at the time. I was... I wanted action to happen a lot faster, and I was dumb, and I didn't. Do you think like any any reason that we wouldn't go back to stuff like that is kind of like we don't understand how important it was at the time when it came out? Because Half Life Two changed how video games worked uh, to a large extent, like able to move boxes and you know use that for puzzles to stand up on the box to get over the fence. Like that was all, yeah, basically it's like brand pushing new. the boundaries. Uh, I. Yeah. And to us, that's just, that's normal. normal. Like we just grew up with that already existing, you know, even, you know, Duke Nukem had a little bit of that sort of a, a, you know, a sniff of that sort of thing. But, um, you know, most of what we played in our formative years being, you know, uh, Call of Duty 2 up through uh, Halo and and, uh, stuff like that, a lot of those core mechanics from Fall, from Half-Life 2 were part of the games we already played. Um, so maybe it's just that we're so used we weren't there when they were groundbreaking, so we don't have the nostalgia for them. Some of that. And, I mean, the mechanics get redone and typically get done better. Maybe, I mean, the groundbreaking, hey, it's the first time we're doing some of these elements or some of the the reasons that the game is so highly regarded is typically due to its timing and it pushing the envelope in some way. But if you miss it, yeah, you don't have some of that nostalgia for it now. Like if I missed it as a kid, I don't have the nostalgia. But I've also experienced a lot of what that game is doing in games that copied it afterwards. And unlike... And to a to a better extent. Yeah. Because obviously sometimes, with years... Some, yeah, sometimes. I, sometimes the, the copying maybe smooths it out too much and the original like idea has this level of freshness to it that an edge that makes it still really fun so i mean half-life 2 is a good example of a game i have to play that and I, I plan on playing that one more than others um because of its kind of history in in gaming and i have played some so that's also like i do have some memories of it and i, I do understand it and have some of the mechanics that i played with um, but unlike other mediums, like music's a good example where I like to listen to a lot of music and have backlogs of that too. And everyone should at some point listen to like old classical music. They should listen to old jazz, rock, folk stuff that happened kind of in between there, rockabilly, and like the history of how instruments kind of morphed into our electronic age there's like all of this cool history there but i can i can get through that and 
encounter a lot of that stuff in two minute chunks or like five minute chunks. The time ask mm -hmm. is a lot lower. Even for films, you have a two hour ask to, you know, get through that. Maybe if it's like The Matrix, you haven't seen it and you should see all three or Lord of the Rings, that's like a nine hour ask. But with these games, two or three games and I'm suddenly at 30 hours of, of time I need or 50 hours or whatever. And the old games are still lengthy on a lot of them. They're not as lengthy as our current trend of these huge, gigantic, open-world exploration games. Well, I mean, there's Final Fantasy Tactics. There's... Um, yeah, but there's still some There's lengthy, like the Baldur's Gate I mean, games, which are super good but super long. Yeah, and that's so... The ask on these, it's a backlog that's a lot bigger than other forms of entertainment's backlog. It's kind of like a book backlog, maybe, if you're slow at reading like me. Um, so it's it's just a lot of time when you look at the stack and how do you pick which one and there's too many good ones to pick from. So that's the big reason I is I'm trying to move forward. I also keep getting stuck playing multiplayer games when friends are online. That becomes a priority over playing alone. I've shifted a little bit from the single player era into... I was in multiplayer, I think, to start. That was We played a lot of multiplayer growing up. Then I kind of shifted into all this single-player stuff and went silent online, and then I've kind of come back around because it's a good way to keep up with friends. And that, that okay, eats my life. Okay, so you're life. not going to play the original XCOM then? Yeah, probably not. Not going to play uh, any of them. I mean, I've, I'll play bits. That's also the problem. Or I'll, I'll play a bit of a game, and I'm like, okay, I get it now. I've seen the mechanics. If the story grabs me, then I want to get through it. But if the story's not grabbing me, I'm like, okay, I've, I've really experienced the core what this game has to offer within 15 hours or something. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to stick it out for 100 hours. Okay, well, I'll go back and play Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds on the PC. That one and, always has a space. Uh, Age of Empires, Galactic Battlegrounds, some of those like strategy games where... RTS. Yeah, the, is, there's no RTS new that I would prefer yeah, over the one we grew them. up with. And that's, it's, so the graphics could use an overhaul, especially if you like Star Wars Battlegrounds. We just got the definitive edition of Age of Empires, so they essentially just overhauled the graphics and tweaked a couple little things. Um, and then there's uh, yeah. Crusader, Age of War, something like oh, that. was like awesome that. game back in the day. That was a beautiful yeah. game because you could see your inventory of things actually change. Yeah. And you build and a castle a visual representation like block of by block. So there was a lot of creativity um, is a big thing that RTS had, I think, over some of the other games where it's kind of a tube and you're going through, especially like single player, not turn-based games. Yeah, corridor, corridor, corridor shooters, shooters were such. very prevalent for us growing up. So a lot of the classics... You can almost enjoy just by watching like a speed run through it to, you know, see the story or something. Maybe not a speed run because they skip a lot of that, but I can watch some of them on YouTube and it's tough. It makes it really tough to value it for my time and actually put in the time to play it. And it's not like two or three of these. There's two dozen old well, games. And, yeah, there's dozens and dozens of must-play games. Yeah, and then there's all these indie games I should play. It's so yeah, it's just it's it is a massive daunting pile of time. So uh, if it sounded like I was giving you a hard time, I wasn't. Um, definitely, <laughs> no, you can give me a hard I time. can understand. 
there are so many good gun games coming out. I can't out. believe I haven't well, finished Half Life. That's I need to I need to play it. I need to play Diablo too. But we have a fire hose of good new content coming out all the time. Yeah. So I I get it. I like I don't I don't blame you at all. I you know don't play as much uh, vintage as I probably should, and I've got a huge backlog on my Xbox plus stuff I haven't played. I haven't I played The Witcher three for a couple hours and honestly didn't grab me. So I mean I haven't played that. I haven't finished Half-Life 2 either. So on both ends, I'm way behind. <laughs> okay. Phew. So not the only one who hasn't played Half-Life. I haven't played Baldur's Gate yet. It's on my list, but there's just so much to do. Yeah. You know. <clears throat> but so that was kind of uh I think that's a show uh tonight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're there. Yeah. Uh Hopefully, got- hopefully your uh, your wonderful wife can come come back uh, next time and and join us. Uh, I know that she's very yeah. popular uh, with those who do listen. Uh, we thank those yeah. who do. Yeah, we'll get her back. We'll get her back. Do you have any any uh, closing thoughts on anything that we talked about that you want to? No, you know, um, I think there's some multiplayer content coming out for well some of the games I'm currently playing, which we didn't cover. Um, so it'll be fun to see in a couple weeks here, next time we talk um, about some changes that are occurring in a couple of the games I'm, I'm playing um, online. And that even just makes me think about yeah, where, where I'm putting my time. I need to need to carve out a little space and try and devote some time to playing a retro game. Well, you don't need to sleep as much as you do. I'm sure you can just cut that out. Yeah, it will cut the sleep out. That's something I definitely don't need. I can just die a decade early or something. Yeah, but at least you got those games played when you were young. Oh, yeah. That's what matters. Yeah, while I'm young. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Because I'm still young. Yeah. Yep. So we didn't have we didn't have much for um, the games we played that we didn't want to save. Like, I uh, played Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, the demo, uh, but we're going to wait for Aaron to come, to come on. We'll talk about it. Yeah. That and we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about the uh, the bank, the Pokemon Bank, because uh, she's going to be very knowledgeable on that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, my uh, my final thought would just be, you know, play what you want, but definitely there's a lot of good games uh, that came and went. There's a lot of bad ones, um, like Ocarina of Time. I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend you put a bunch of hours into it. Maybe play it for three hours, maybe through the first temple. But you know that's not one you need to to finish. There's there's better stuff out there. Um, but yeah, definitely give give more stuff a shot. Uh, if you don't, you know, if you haven't played an isometric RPG from the '90s, uh, like a Sierra or or something like that, definitely give that stuff a shot. Um, yeah, 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 because that that stuff's actually a lot of fun and gets overlooked quite a bit. Um, so that would be about it. Uh, definitely uh, check out the other shows on the network. There's a motocross podcast that's Loose Spokes, and there's a car one that is um, Garage Night. That one just we recorded the tenth episode of that. Ooh. So way to go! Uh, Congratulations! Yeah. Man. yeah, exciting. And there's episode three here, so we'll uh, we'll keep making them as long as someone keeps <laughs> I'll keep listening. making them regardless. Uh, and talk about my opinions yeah i think i think we'll probably do it anyway here every it's just fun to hear all month sounds sounds like a plan (laughs) all right so from uh all of us here at uh tiny dog productions 
uh, uh, we'll go ahead and say goodnight. Adios. 